Welcome to the Financial Futurist Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Schenker, the Financial Futurist. Bloomberg News ranks me one of the top financial forecasters in the world in my role as the president of Prestige Economics. I'm also the chairman of the Futurist Institute. And on this podcast, we talk about markets, business, and future technology. This is the Financial Futurist Podcast. This week on the Financial Futurist Podcast, we'll be talking about the future of data, the future of trade, and the future of economic indicators. We'll discuss these subjects and more on this week's episode of the Financial Futurist Podcast. One of the biggest stories last week was that Mark Zuckerberg testified both before the Senate and the House in the United States. The hearings were the subject of a lot of different analysis, memes, jokes, and concern. In my opinion, the Senate hearing on Thursday was relatively less eventful, whereas the House hearing on Friday had some of the more biting questions about people's personal data, questions that will need to be resolved and that Mark Zuckerberg did not have immediately answers to. Facebook is clearly doing more stuff with data than many people realize, and these congressional sessions have just begun to shed a light on it, as well as the problems with collecting that much data on individuals who don't necessarily have the ability to fully delete everything they do, as well as what one congressman referred to as the shadow profiles for people who aren't even on Facebook, where data is being collected on people who aren't on the Facebook platform, and those people would need to join Facebook. Facebook in order to delete their data. This sort of Kafka-esque situation is one of many that's likely to come to light with more criticism in the immediate term. And while Facebook is likely to make broad and sweeping changes to make people more comfortable with their data security and their control over their data, the speed with which that happens will be critical in order to retain public trust. And companies like Facebook, all public companies in general, depend heavily on trust from the public. There's a famous quote about trust, which I feel is here apropos. Trust takes years to build, seconds to break, and forever to repair. And this could very well be Facebook's fate if they don't move very quickly. Of course, while people are concerned about their individual data, one point that Zuckerberg made in his testimony is that it allows for more targeted advertising, which helps businesses lower their costs because it increases relevancy. And while that business reality is true, individuals still need more protections on their data than they have been heretofore allocated. Aside from the Facebook testimony, I also want to talk about blockchain and the future of data. I attended a conference at UT Austin on Friday about blockchain, and there were a lot of different views on its value, what it really is, how do you define it, and where it's best used. And as I pointed out in the course of the Futurist Institute on the future of data, one of the most important values of blockchain chain is the ability to increase transparency in a supply chain across transactions. This is also something I discussed in the Future of Finance course. So blockchain is essentially a very advanced kind of database management with multi-party verification and transactions that are processed in blocks in a way that increases transparency in a distributed ledger framework. Now, I talk more about this in the courses for the Futurist Institute, but there are a number of different uses for blockchain aside from what most people think of, which is Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Some of the biggest values are in increasing that transparency across the supply chain. I'll actually be talking about this later this week at the Spring Conference for NC State Supply Chain Resource Cooperative in Raleigh.
Wally. And while blockchain holds the potential to increase transparency of data, it's really transparency of corporate data where the highest value proposition currently exists. And that's a very different thing fundamentally from the current concerns about more privacy around individual data, right? Companies want to be able to see their data more clearly. It can help them reduce cost. It can help them reduce transactional friction. It can help them trace origins of products very quickly, and it can improve business processes. Whereas for individuals, having full transparency of data of everything about every individual is not something most people are fully comfortable with. And while there may be more restrictions on personal data, more transparency of corporate data is likely coming. I also want to talk this week about the future of trade. Last week, the ebbs and flows of trade risks and trade optimism in the relationship between the U.S. and China continued their swings. While people are now perhaps more optimistic that maybe the trade problems will ease off, there's still a great deal of uncertainty. And we add to the mix of concerns about U.S.-Chinese trade relations the potential impact of sanctions on Russia. This has greatly impacted a number of different markets, including aluminum and oil. Commodities are extremely exposed because Russia is a major commodity producer, and it's not quite clear how long these sanctions may remain in place. These sanctions are in response to Russian interference with the U.S. presidential election in 2016. But more sanctions are expected at the beginning of the upcoming week on Russia in response to support of Syria that used gas in an attack in the ongoing conflict there. The U.S. and some of its allies already responded to this gas attack last week with an airstrike at the very end of the week. The situation is evolving and the political tensions could rise further. This is a very complicated situation and probably deserves its own podcast, but the proxy wars going on in Syria have a number of different players. Generally speaking, Russia's aligned with Syria, which is aligned with Iran, and the U.S. and a number of its allies that have been fighting ISIS are still opposed to the Assad regime, which is aligned with Iran, and the Iranian moves towards greater military hegemony in the region are of a great concern to a number of Sunni countries, Israel, and a number of other U.S. allies. Add to that the prospect that it appears that Syria has used chemical weapons and you have international political mess. This comes on the heel of U.S. sanctions for Russian interference and now is likely to result in even more sanctions at a time when trade is already very uncertain and trade risks seem quite high. As with the Chinese risks, the longer these things go on, the worse it could be for the global economy in general because of disruption to supply chains and the potential for increased costs. But unlike like the situation with China, this could result in more immediate term surges in prices, something we've seen in aluminum and oil before there's a readjustment in the market, which would likely reflect the risk of slower growth. These inflationary risks, but also potential growth dampening risks of trade conflicts are occurring against a backdrop of higher levels of U.S. inflation, which is likely to drive the Fed to continue to raise rates. Last week, the U.S. CPI was 2.4% year over year, and the core CPI was up 2.1% percent year over year with the producer price index up three percent year over year inflationary pressures are in the pipeline and they are rising the fed will need to continue to raise rates to combat this the more the fed raises rates 
The more expensive it is for companies to do business, and the more likely it is that U.S. growth could slow. We've been expecting a slower growth outlook for next year with U.S. GDP around 1.5%, and we stand by that outlook for slower growth next year. One of the big news stories this week will be growth forecasts from the IMF. They'll be out Tuesday morning in the U.S., and some critical numbers to watch will be the overall global growth number, the Chinese number, and now, with these very recent sanctions, the Russian GDP number. I'm Jason Schenker, and you're listening to The Financial Futurist Podcast. One last topic I want to cover in the Financial Futurist Podcast this week is the future of economic indicators. As many of you know, I've been writing about U.S. economic indicators and global economic indicators for almost 15 years. And as many of you know, I've earned top rankings for my forecast accuracy from Bloomberg, rankings in 42 categories overall and number one in the world in 25 different categories. It's part of the reason that LinkedIn Learning approached me to record a weekly series for the next year about economic indicators. These were released in the first week of April. Each video that comes out will be free to watch for two weeks after its release. It's an exciting group of videos about inflation, jobs, growth, housing, and what the different economic indicators mean for your investments, for your business, for your job prospects, and for all individuals overall. I hope you enjoy the series. I'll be including links going forward here on the podcast page, and you can find the videos in the Financial Futurist Weekly Newsletter. Economic indicators have always been important, and now that we see different political and economic risks rising, they'll be more important than ever before. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Futurist Podcast with me, Jason Schenker, the Financial Futurist. You can follow me on Twitter at Prestige Econ and check out my website, jasonschenker.com. On jasonschenker.com, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter to make sure you're getting the latest and most important information about markets, business, and future technology. Until next week.